I'm Chad Rutherman. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket, where dreams come true. Today, we're going to be talking about Bendy and the Ink Machine, which was developed by Kindly Beast, or Joey Drew Studios, as it is shown in-game, uh, published by Kindly Beast and Rooster Teeth Games, and was released episodically starting in 2017 on Windows, Mac, Linux, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, Android, and iOS. Yeah, and I believed finished releasing in 2018. Uh, but first, if you can give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. So, uh, Benny and the Egg Machine is a... game. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is a debatably a haunted house style horror game uh also kind of a survival horror game uh and this is gonna be kind of a trend i think Mm -hmm. and that i didn't think of whenever i give a genre that is like it's this but also this they added mechanics to it to do these things usually my opinion is going to be Hey, maybe you shouldn't have done that. But we'll get to that in a bit. For now, it's a horror game. It's Halloween. Welcome. Ooh. Fucking hell yeah. Let's do it. Um, so yeah, I guess the first interesting thing to point, about, to point out about this game is probably its release and it is, and its, like, selling point. Yeah, it's visual style. Yeah. Uh, which is this... It's a game that is based around cartoons from the... And you're going to have more of a vocabulary about this than me. I want to say the 20s. Yeah, like very late 20s, like early 30s, Mm -hmm. I would say. And that's sort of like the visual basis for this. Uh, I believe the tagline they use on their Steam page is like, the game that will uh, ruin your childhood love of cartoons. (laughs) Um, yeah, uh, I, they should change it to say, we are not Cuphead. Um, they should do that, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but in all seriousness, like, this is a 3D game, and uh, it, it does, like, I think have a cool aesthetic, um, where a lot of the textures almost kind of have, like, a Borderlands-y kind of look, like, where they're, like, drawn... Uh, like textures that are like mapped onto these 3D objects in an interesting way. They give it slightly kind of like a. It's supposed, to, I guess, to have an illustrated feel, but right. it looks a little bit more comic booky. I think. I kind of agree with that. It it, it feels the way that cell shading looked like a few years ago, and by a few I mean like 10, 15 years ago, where. It's like all of these very thick black lines and everything, all the textures are sort of like flat and imprinted on the models. Uh, and the color palette is really monochromatic. It's there's yeah. a lot of heavy dark blacks. It's got like then, a sepia tone kind yeah. of look to it, yeah. Which kind of harks back to that like early cartoons look to it. Yeah, like it's being projected onto like a canvas screen, which mm. is happening in the game all the time. <laughs> they have like big sheets of canvas tacked up with a projector playing a cartoon on it. Yeah, there is an unholy number of projectors in this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably more than in any other game in existence. Yeah, that's one area you can kind of feel the lower budget is mm. the reuse of art assets like all over the place. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, and it gets very strange. I've, I've got a few notes on a, a couple of different things that I think sort of play into that, but I don't necessarily want to get into it right now. I think this presentation, though, 
is why either of us knew what this game was. Yeah. Long and lo- long ages ago. In the long, long ago. Yeah, it definitely stood out to me. Mm-hmm. And it's been one that's kind of sat in the back. I think I bought it, like, two years ago. And has just had it sitting here and just never played it until now. We decided to do it for Pocket. Um, and I think the reason I want to latch on to the art style uh, the way that I sort of have is because it might be one of the only positive things I have to say about the game. Mm-hmm. Um, which stinks. It stinks bad. Because this is... Uh, is is a cool concept, and I think could have been done in a way that was unexciting but good, but they instead did it in a way that was, I guess, like a little bit more interesting, but didn't stick any landings. Yeah, there's I could say a bunch off the back of that, but it would I think get into like final thoughts territory. Sure, I guess an in, an interesting direction. Like I think I can take it though is. This game feels like it draws a lot from Bioshock to me. Holy shit. I also thought Bioshock. Yeah, like it felt less horror a lot of the time and more like uh it it like the developers really like Bioshock. <laughs> um there's just a lot of that um immersive sim type stuff in there, like all the story being delivered through cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. You have like a like a weapon, which was a surprise. Yep, I did not know about <laughs> uh, that. Yeah, at all. like you carry a wrench around for a while. Um, yeah, and there's like even the way like you run into like NPCs and interact with them feels very immersive sim. Well, and like um, <laughs> fucking, I don't remember the character's name. Uh, the guy who's like painted himself black and wears the the baby oh, mask. Oh yeah, I don't remember if he even had a name. He, he probably did. He does. I just don't remember. I I I don't remember. But it is. Uh, <laughs> he he gives Bioshock vibes. Like he acts kind of like a splicer or like that first boss who like does surgery for fun. Yeah, he don't gives you... those. Yeah, yeah. Don't you even run into him and he's like behind glass, like a very Andrew Ryan style thing. Ve- you very well might, but I may have missed it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I might be thinking of something else, but I feel like you meet at least one character like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some Bioshock influence here, and it's weird. And honestly, like you mentioned, like it has a lot of those like trappings that Immersive Sims had back before Bioshock, and Bioshock itself also kind of like takes a lot of the style and less of the substance and plays more like a regular FPS. And this game kind of does the same thing. It's like a it's a horror game with with weapons, and it's flavored like Bioshock. Uh, unfortunately, the flavor of Bioshock <laughs> is like salt water. <laughs> <laughs> but I I liked the aesthetic, mm-hmm. and I want to give it the benefit of the doubt and say that it's not just like outright fucking aping Bioshock. And no, I, don't, I think it's doing its own thing. Yeah, and and I do like some of the stuff that they did crib from it. So even like the uh, Joey Drew. Who is the fictional owner of the company? Yeah, Walt Disney. Who's the Walt Disney stand-in? Mm-hmm. Does give Andrew Ryan at times? Yeah, he he very much looks kind of like Walt Disney. It sounds like Tom Hanks, <laughs> who played Walt Disney. That's true. He yeah. did. <laughs> I forgot about that. It was in some movie. I yes. definitely didn't. Saving say Mr. Banks. That's the one. Yeah. But yeah. So let's let's go in uh, because the game was released episodically. I kind of want to talk about my evolution 
in my opinion, as I played through it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it speaks a lot. The first note that I took... Um, I'll go ahead and explain. I, I should explain before I take. I explain my note. Uh-huh. The thing that you do when you boot the game up is it puts you in this quest to walk around and pick shit up, basically. Yeah, you're exploring the abandoned uh, animation studio. Yeah, and, and the objective is to restart the ink machine. The, the concept here is revealed pretty slowly and is kind of cool in that the the animation studio is like fueled in the way that like a steam powered engine is by high pressure ink that is produced and then run through pipes and that powers all the generators and stuff that allows it to have electricity um and this is an extremely good concept, I think, that the game just sadly doesn't do as much with as I think it probably could. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole opening is, to me, feels really useless in a way that I really wish it wasn't. Mm. You spend all this time just walking around and picking up collectibles and then putting them on a pedestal. And what that does as a player is it makes you really familiar with the layout of the area. But then as soon as you finish, you fall through a floor and are in a totally different area. Um, So the first note that I took for the game was, man, this game really needs to get on with it. Because it felt like it was just crawling at the beginning and there wasn't anything happening extrinsically to the player Mm -hmm. uh and i wasn't really motivated to like search every corner because the everything looks really similar and (laughs) samey and it got it got to a point where i was like damn like i wish that something would like happen Mm -hmm. so that i could be drawn in and it never really gets there in the first chapter I think I agree with you in retrospect, mm-hmm. but for me, like at the time, I, I felt like the beginning was like the creepiest part because I didn't know what was gonna happen yet. Right. So I'm like exploring the studio, like waiting for something to happen. Like I thought it built built tension pretty well. Like you get the one little jump scare where like the bendy cutout moves, um, pretty classic stuff. But like I thought it was like kind of effective. Um, but I do, I totally agree. Like, I kept waiting to return to that first floor. Yeah. Like, it seems like a thing that would happen. And just doesn't. And yeah, it never does. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and I, I want to agree with that. You're retrospectively, this is, yeah, it, it feels When worse. you think back to it, it doesn't really accomplish anything. Yeah. With the opening. But also, retrospectively, I also kind of agree that it might be the creepiest part of the game. Because the game takes a strange turn a little bit later on. Yeah, it definitely became not what I was expecting. Yeah, not in any way. Yeah, I was expecting more of like a more, like as you said, like Haunted House style horror. Like a lot more like walking around, maybe some light puzzles. Well, there are light puzzles, but Mm. I didn't expect combat. Yeah. I especially didn't expect, and we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but boss battles and arena fights. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff in this game that just shouldn't be there, but it does start really basic. Because like, even after you know that there's combat and shit in the game, there's still only like four buttons. You can move, you look, you can run, 
you can swing an item and you can pick stuff up. And that's pretty much all you got. Uh, and I think, it, it, to me, that just screamed, this is going to be a haunted house horror game. You pick stuff up and you have to evade mm-hmm. capture or whatever by some patrolling monster. Yeah, by and, Bendy. By Bendy. <laughs> and that does happen. There are elements of that in the game. But, man, the the second chapter of this game uh, is is the one where it's like the music area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your goal overall is to, like, drain this ink so you can go down some stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's going to be a real common theme. The game likes to give you a bunch of dumb shit to do so that you can perform a basic action that you don't really understand the consequences of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, which bums me out, but, like, it's once it's a low-budget game. It, they have to le- they lengthen it out a bit. Yeah, it gates you by with ink. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's all these pipes are all bursts and whatever, and you have to turn these uh, these big old uh, wheels, you know, to divert the ink or whatever, or close off the pipe so you can progress. But yeah, you don't really have a, like a a goal though. Mm-hmm. Um, like I guess it's just to escape. Um, but yeah, you just keep going like deeper and deeper down in. Uh, yeah, and it, you do feel a little bit directionless. Yeah. I do want to... One other positive thing to throw in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like their system of objective signaling in the menu. Mm. I like that it tells you what your objective is and then provides a hint, um, which is extremely good when you like turn the game off and come back later. Uh, it, it gives you more of a thing. Because if it just said, like, find a way out and then you open the game, you're like, oh, fuck, what was I doing? Where have I been? All this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it does get into that kind of directionlessness. I know in Chapter 2 there's a point where it says, like, go back to Stanley's office. And I was like, I don't fucking know where Stanley's office was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't even really remember who Stanley is. Which is going to be even better if it turns out that's not his name. Which yeah. it might not be. Uh, but yeah, I found... I. <laughs> I I was I wanted the game to get to something, mm-hmm. and then when it got there, I said, "Uh oh, can we go back?" <laughs> I think his name was Henry. Could be Henry, uh, but I won't swear by that. Henry's the protagonist. Oh right, yeah. So yeah, never mind. Um, so yeah, one thing I really disliked about um, progression through the game is I'm playing it the way I would play a game like this, where I'm checking every door. And there's certain doors that, like, won't unlock till you've done another thing. Yep. So, like, you'll do a thing, and then you'll have to go back and check all the doors, because one of them <laughs> might be open now. Then I found that to be really annoying. Yeah. It's really frustrating, especially, like, things like there are items that you can't pick up until you've triggered the quest for them. Yeah, certain things won't highlight so that you can interact with them until you've done a thing. Yeah, and it's really frustrating, because, like, you know that you're going to... There's a conspicuous wheel a valve on the ground and rather than be able to pick it up you have to go progress and then make it back and it's either hide your shit better or don't load it in until after the quest or just let the player pick it up yeah i i think it's something that can largely be helped by level design mm-hmm. i think it kind of highlights this game like how 
complex level design really is. Like you, you don't find yourself running into these kinds of problems in like a lot of bigger budget games. Cause this game probably didn't have, you know, money for play testing and like, you know, a big team of level designers and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's like the structuring the levels in such a way that you don't run into those things until after you've done, uh, the main objective or whatever you need to do to unlock it already happens. Yeah. And and you get these like moments of like, Oh, I just gotta go back here. It There's a lot of backtracking in the game. Yeah. It's like, I think they wanted to have like a nonlinear kind of thing, but weren't, you know, quite sure how to pull that off. And the game world isn't like big enough to really do it in the first place, you know, mm-hmm. which once again is, that is the plight of the indie game, right? Like, the, sometimes you just don't have the time or the money uh, to do it. And so, and so you end up with a, a level that is a straight line that you have to go back and forth across eight times. Um, uh, the second chapter also introduces the combat. Um, the combat's terrible. Yeah. Like, just objectively awful um, in a way that it feels like it feels clear to me that it shouldn't be there and it's it's fascinating to progress through the game and see the more and more important role that it takes there are certain places that i think that it feels more justified um the boss fight with the with the big carnival ride oh yeah like the yeah yeah, it's just a carnival ride. It's, yeah, I don't know. for a second I was thinking it was like a merry-go-round, but it is not. No, it's like one of those like the spider rides. Yeah, that has a bunch, a bunch of cars. Of yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I legitimately liked that. Like mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I think that I agree. I think it's because you first get the axe, mm-hmm. maybe at the end of chapter one, maybe at the beginning of chapter two. I don't remember. It's in there. Um, and you use it to like just chop boards to, like, progress through doorways that are boarded up. Yeah. And it's like, I like the idea of having it as, like, an environmental interaction, like, item for, like, puzzle solving and progression. So I think it could have worked in that sense. In that boss fight, it kind of uses it in that way. It's like, you have to sever the joints or whatever to exactly, break apart yeah. the, the the ride. So I think that would have worked. And, like, you want to have some, like, basic-ass enemies that you just kind of whack or whatever. Like, that would be inoffensive. But, yeah, it really dials it up yeah. as it goes along, and it sucks. I think, I mean, this might be more of a, a personal taste thing. Because I, I do agree with you on every point that you made. And the one thing that I'm a little iffy on is basically, like, I do find the whatever fodder enemies kind of offensive. Because yeah. they don't... They're not a threat. Yeah. You aren't really... There isn't anything that actually threatens you until chapter three, which is going to be like two hours into the playtime of the game. Uh, And so you get this weapon and you fight little blobs of ink that take one hit to kill. Uh, with the axe, you, the weapons have different stats, which is also strange. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and they just pop up and it plays scary music. And then you go, and they go away, and then they're just gone. And it feels like it, it like really undermines the horror. Mm. Like when you watch an action movie, what happens in the action movie is fucking James Bond or whatever shoots a hundred guys, and then the one dude who takes 
more than one bullet yeah, to kill. Yeah, a fist fight. Is, yeah, and is like the big, the boss, the end goal of the game mm-hmm. uh, should be the thing. And that's and then that's action. In horror, you've got a Michael Myers who walks around and is unkillable. Uh, and that is what is threatening about him. If Michael Myers had like a hundred little dudes <laughs> who ran around and like the fucking protagonists of the Halloween movie just shot and killed all of them with no effort, it would be a very different movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the problem I take with them. Uh, but I can also see them being inoffensive. <laughs> so I might be going way over. Yeah, I mean. I agree with you. Like, I don't like them. Mm-hmm. But, like, I feel like if they want to have something there to, like, th- like f- for a threat of, like, killing you yeah. um, before they introduce Bendy, which I don't think they do till like, Chapter 3, uh, I-, I think that's okay. But, yeah. Uh, I-, I know I agree, though. Like, it- I think, yeah, I feel like they really should have just given you an item that, like, the pipe or whatever that can't kill enemies and like if they want to do the whole combat thing save it for later in the game mm-hmm. like you want to draw out that amount of time you have where you feel defenseless and that keeps it scarier for longer yeah completely agree uh it's just a it's just a weird decision and yeah it it feels like they were to me this is like one of my theses about the game uh is that they were like newer game developers you know and uh they felt like self-conscious about making a game that was just like a haunted house walk around kind of game and they were like well we got to put more like gameplay in (laughs) it so you end up with like a lot of padding yeah i think this came out in an era where you have games that could fit into the genre of like walking simulator um but felt like maybe derided a bit by the term and wanting to make a different sort of game for themselves as opposed to to what everyone would call a walking sim. So they jim jam in a bunch of fucking (laughs) mechanics. I invented Mm, a term They jimmy it and they jammy it. They jimmy and jammy it. Uh, And it just ends up being a big mess that didn't need to be there and overall makes the game worse. I think, like... Uh, Edith Finch might be the only positive example of this happening where it is essentially a walking sim game, but it does enough variation and they just, you know, did a good job with it. Like mini games, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas this one, which does have mini games, uh, doesn't quite land, I think, in the, in the way that it wanted to, definitely, but. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it, it doesn't quite get its, like, core gameplay elements down and then adds this other stuff in and yeah just kind of muddies everything yeah i mean by the time we get to chapter three mm-hmm. where we are right now uh with boris with boris the combat is kind of the core gameplay at this point there isn't anything else that you're really doing uh and chapter three is Chapter 3 has so much potential to be a good horror game, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it is the worst part of this game by a mile. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks I'm glad that you agree. (laughs) Uh, 
This part of the game is run up and down stairs a million times. Yeah. The game. Or maybe you could ride the lift, but... I don't think it's working. Oh, no, it is. Oh. I only rode the lift. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was broken. No. <laughs> I thought it was, like, explicitly stated. Well, here's the thing. That makes it suck worse for you. Uh-huh. But I did ride a lift, and it still sucks. Huh. Yeah. Oh, I was running up and down those stairs. <laughs> Like crazy. Like, just all over the yeah. place. Because they keep sending you to different floors to do boring, repetitive tasks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I swear to fuck the get thick ink from the guy who moves <laughs> was bugged for me. Oh, I don't yeah. know if that's the case or if it really is just that fucking annoying. But the whole period of time that I was doing that was me... Trying to move as slowly as possible between points, and it would just randomly vanish and go other places. Yeah, that's weird. The way that I ended up having to do it was I literally just sat the controller down and waited next to one of the things, because I think there is a timer, and eventually he just showed up, and I was like, ah, get him! <laughs> <laughs> like, the stealth worked on the first one, and then just didn't on the second uh, one. <laughs> I don't know why. I... I feel like I didn't have any issue with that, so I don't really remember how it happened for me. I mean, that's good, because yeah. that means that I probably did experience a bug. Yeah. If I didn't, if that was the intended thing, then this would be <laughs> a garbage fire, but yeah. it's only a trash fire. Yeah. Once again, like probably my least favorite part of this, because I took the stairs... Um, your first objective is at the very top floor. Uh-huh. So like I walked up the stairs and explored every floor as I went. Oh no. Uh, because I was like, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I don't, I wanted to like get, there was just, it's a huge area. Yeah. So I was like going up these stairs and I'm like, well, I feel like I should check all this stuff as I go, you know, cause I'm playing a video game. So I took like a thousand years, uh, to do the first like chunk of, uh, like, if I knew how it was set up from the beginning, it, it would have taken, like, not even a third of the amount of time I took to do everything. Yeah. As it ended up having. <laughs> yeah, it ends up being just, like, it's the same thing over and over again. You go in, you are given an item to go do three yeah. things. Yeah, go collect four of whatever. Yeah. And go hit 15 fucking standees. Uh, and <laughs> you just do it every time, and there's no difference. Like, there, there's some lore <laughs> that you get, maybe? There's something else we should mention that the I, I know that there's a fan community around this game, mm. and I am 99% <laughs> certain that they just care about the story. Yeah. Uh, it was very difficult for me to keep the story in mind when I was trying to catalog all of the gameplay things that I was having an issue with, Mm -hmm. which is weird because we like to talk about when a game has a good narrative, we can forgive a lot of things. Um, But I don't necessarily, I don't actually know if this does. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I like the concept of this game, I didn't really engage with the narrative either. Yeah. It just feels very, but yeah, I, like nothing. I think yeah, the concept is very cool. Like I really like that like it's a story about like the the Walt Disney stand in Joey Drew or whatever the hell. You got it. Oh, I got, got it right. And it got it in one. Hell yeah. For real. Um 
he's like, you know, he has this uh, animation studio uh, with their Bendy character. He's like a little devil guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess like they fall on like financial troubles. And then like you, you see this kind of like mental unraveling and like he's like it's like the ink machine is almost like this eldritch thing yeah and like they keep building down into the earth into like the basement levels and it's like a huge subterranean like animation studio there's like something kind of like absurdist and cool about that idea mm-hmm. like i said it does feel kind of eldritch or like uh, surprisingly uh and there's just like this ink demon like they brought bendy to life but like something went wrong and it killed everybody or whatever um it's all very cool on that like base level but they don't really like do much with it at least that i found or interpreted yeah and i do feel like it it, like this is the fat the fnaf era this is the era where people were watching game theory to get their game lore Mm -hmm. on the on youtube I sound like such an old fucking man. Um, <laughs> we are. Okay. You just got to embrace it. <laughs> Back in my day. Back in my day. Uh, and I feel like this is kind of going for that mm-hmm. with its plot. Like, you pick up these audio logs and you have to stand there and listen because the... Got the Sinua sacrifice problem. Uh, yeah. It's so... Because there are times when it, it you pick them up and you're in like a stealth segment. And you either have to sit and listen to the dialogue in one fucking spot or read it. Like, my strat was to try and read the dialogue and Mm -hmm. leave before the actual voice acting was over. Yeah. Uh, Because if you walk away, both the voice and And the text go away. Yep. I don't understand why they did that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It made it, and that made it also hard to engage with, like, the deeper parts of the story because I just wasn't getting a lot of it. Yeah, you had to stop. And, and listen, yeah, yeah, or read, yeah. And they also have like that, uh, like problem where you're. It's like diegetic, right? Mm-hmm. It's a cassette player, and like enemies will not notice it. Right. Like you said, like they'll just put one in a stealth section, and you can just play it and listen, and nothing will react. Yeah, these things walk by. Which I guess it's kind of a nitpicky thing, but yeah. Do we have anything else really to say about? Um... About chapter three, other because it is the same thing over and over again, and it's bad. Yeah, I don't remember when the like ink replicator thing gets introduced as like a mechanic. I don't remember even what that is. It's like a little thing where it has like two dials on it. Oh, and like yeah. you put like a chunk of ink in it, and then pick what you want it to make, and then you turn the crank, and it spits it out. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool idea that they use like two times. <laughs> I mean, I know of at least three times. Okay, three, used. yeah, because there's the boss fight. It was in the boss yeah, fight that I wasn't was... counting. Yeah, but that one's bad, so yeah. don't worry about it. Um, I mean, bad. I don't know. We'll talk about it. Yeah, is definitely. I think in definitely. I think is in chapter four because the first one that you use is the one that builds the bridge. Yeah. So you need a gear or whatever, yeah, to fix the thing. Uh, it is. It's a. It, it's a neat idea. I think. Um, it's weird the way that they introduce it the first time because it is uh, like, it's the coolest version of it. I don't know why they didn't do this for the rest of them, where you get the ink blobs from like a ink man that you generate with like by turning mm. valves and stuff. 
Um, they probably didn't do it because that takes a long time. Yeah. To turn a bunch of valves. But it gives this, like... It felt like real world building, uh, which is one of the things the game actually does reasonably well. Yeah, like, it leans into the ink thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, like it's the unique element of your game is that like this place is runs on ink mm-hmm. uh so like actually using it uh for like a mechanic like that is interesting i agree and and chapter four for all intents and purposes is probably the best chapter of the uh, game yeah it's not amazing but it feels a lot better after playing chapter three and a lot of the stuff that they bring in to vary the gameplay feels like it works a little bit better uh, there is a boss fight at the end, which is questionable, but I found it to be very easy. Mm-hmm. So it didn't like completely ruin it for me. Yeah. Um, if anything, the room where you have to throw cans might be the one that I didn't like mm-hmm. the most. Yeah. So I had an issue that I don't know if it was unique to me or <laughs> a common issue, but. I found the mouse sensitivity settings in this game to be, like, dog shit. Because <laughs> uh, there's a part where you have to do, like, just a basic target shooting mini game. It's like a little carnival section uh, that you have to beat the games to open these doors. Uh, and I tried it with a controller, and it, like, wasn't sensitive enough, mm-hmm. no matter, like, what settings I put it on. And then I switched to mouse and keyboard. It was the exact opposite problem. It was way too sensitive. I turned it down as low as it would go, and I couldn't. I would just way overshoot everything. So I ended up sticking with the controller and just like memorizing where all the targets come up because it's a set sequence and was able to beat it that way. Yeah. But it was uh, not fun. I gotta say, you suffered a lot more for this game than I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I didn't have. I, okay, caveat, you're right, the sensitivity settings are dog shit. Um, I don't know, the, I, this is a very extremely small sample size, there are two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I used a Wii U, or not a Wii U, but a uh, Switch Pro controller uh, to play this game, and its sensitivity, I had to turn down to like 10 or 5, like the lowest sensitivity in order to get it to like function the way that I wanted it to. Uh as well, but I was I did not have nearly as much of an issue as you did. Mm-hmm. So I imagine there's some difference system wide. Uh, but the fact that we between the two of us used two controllers and about four mice uh, <laughs> did not manage to come up with like one that just felt good. Yeah, I tried messing with the sensitivity just in Windows as well, <laughs> and that didn't affect in game at all. Yeah, that might be a software thing. Yeah, on that in that case. Um. But yeah, weird and bad, and the made the shooting gallery yeah, really hard. That to was do. that was definitely the worst part of the game for me. So, <laughs> but other than that hiccup, I do like Chapter Four probably the best as well. Despite yeah. that, <laughs> it's got the good mini boss fight. It's got uh, uh, probably the actual best enemy design in the game, which is the projector guy. Oh yeah. I think he, I mean, he appears in, in chapter three yeah, at the end as well. Projector head. Projector head. Um, he actually appears at one point in in chapter three. Yeah, you have to like go down to collect the hearts for, well, what's her name, for he, Alice? Yes, but he appears one time before that, mm. it, like behind glass. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean, that's the Andrew Ryan moment. That could be it. <laughs> 
the the projector Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you just don't have to deal with it at all. Like I just left. And he didn't show up until later. So it was a weird... I guess, like, it's kind of a preview in the way that, like... Yeah, it's supposed to set it up. Yeah, like, seeing Ridley on the other side of the, the screen at the beginning of Metro Infusion is kind of like that. Uh, Sierra Mist. Uh, haven't done that in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't lead anywhere. And you get him at the end. Uh, the, Projector Head is the most regular... Haunted House Horror enemy. Yeah, that in, like, actual Bendy, like the Ink Demon or whatever. But Bendy is, like, he instantly knows where you are, and he just sprints at you. Yeah. And he will catch you, <laughs> like, every time unless you find a place you hide to hide. in a locker, Outlast style. Outlast style. But in Outlast, if they see you go in the locker... Yeah, they'll find you. Yeah. They'll open it. This game, no, no one has any sense of object <laughs> permanence whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, which... Is stupid. I think there's got to be a better way to have done this, uh, because it just looks goofy and it ruins any of the the, yeah. the fear that could be yeah. there. One thing that stood out to me is that there's no crouch button. Right. Like being able to like kind of like actually stealth around, like crouch and stuff, and hide from enemies mm-hmm. instead of just hitting them with an axe or whatever. <laughs> I think could have gone a long way if they like kind of went more in that direction. Like that Bendy's walking around, like, you can crouch behind this box and, like, you know, and he'll walk by and you don't have to go hide in a locker, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have felt a lot better. Yeah. And it would have felt actually tense. Yeah, it would have felt die. like keep you more in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. Like, uh, like something like Amnesia, where you had to go hide in, like, a thing and you don't know if the monster saw you go in there and you don't know if it's going to come and get you. And there's no way to know until, like, enough time has passed or you get attacked. Yeah, it's a great feeling. Mm -hmm. A great bad feeling. (laughs) But, yeah, this, like, automates it by using the way they use the lockers or whatever they are. Yeah. Oh, also, this has nothing to do with that. When you get killed, though, Mm. I forgot. Another thing that they just totally cribbed from Bioshock, you just, like... You reappear at a, a Vita chamber, a fucking yeah, statue, a statue of Bendy, of Bendy. Um, which I thought was also a harmful thing that they <laughs> did to make the game less scary, because um, I wasn't really worried about dying, because you don't lose any progress when that happens, mm-hmm. you just get teleported, essentially. Um, yep. Anyway, uh, how about that boat? <laughs> uh, it... I don't know. It was a part of the game. It sure was. I hated that boat, Oh, man. yeah? I mean, I don't know. I think when I get the hang of it... Yeah, and... I didn't have any issue with it. Okay. I died multiple times on it, like two or three, and eventually just turned my brightness up so that I could see where the fucking ink was. Oh, yeah? Because before I was just, like, swinging in the dark, Ooh. going like, man, I sure hope I'm hitting the right thing. <laughs> oh, I didn't have that issue. <laughs> uh, and then it also took... Like, because you have to turn around and, like, the timing is pretty strict on it. No, you think so? I thought so. Yeah. Maybe I was turning slowly because I had to turn the mouse sensitivity. Yeah, it might have been a mouse sensitivity thing. (laughs) Uh, uh, And then you get to the end of the boat, and then, holy shit, this is the part that I actually wanted to get to. Mm -hmm. Is this the part that you quit on? No. Okay, I'm. 
really interested what it was because you you were so close to the end. I know. I can't imagine what made you quit. Well, me being we'll get to it, but me okay. being close to the end was part of the reason I sure, quit. Sure, sure. Uh, so there's this big fight. Why? It's so it's so pointless. I think this this is just my speculation, uh-huh. right? Is this was released episodically, and I feel like the fans probably really like Boris, and uh, I just said her name earlier, Angela. That could be, or whatever. Yeah, the like the angel character. Oh, the is. angel character is Alice. Alice, Alice. Angel. Alice. Yeah. Boris and Alice, and they were like, "Let's have a scene where they like fight together." Like, I just right. feel like that. It, it feels very like almost fan servicey for this indie game that probably has a very small fan base at the time <laughs> yeah when it was being released yeah uh maybe yeah it feels like action figures you know like oh let's have like our three heroes and i have to fight off like a million guys <laughs> there's so many guys <laughs> it's an absurd number of enemies and yeah it made me think that like i'm supposed to be like looking for a way to escape it went on for so long. I'm curious as to how you beat it, because I'll tell you the way that I beat it when after. Okay, I just kept killing guys until it stopped. Wow, that's persistence. <laughs> Here's what I did. There's like a ledge on the other side where if you just stand on it, they can't attack you. Uh, and so I put the controller oh, down. Oh, and you let them kill all the enemies. They killed all the enemies. I made a sandwich. Mm. Uh, you could like swing over the ledge and hit them, uh. like any that came to you, so you could feel like you were contributing uh-huh. but i didn't give a shit i just didn't want to have to do it anymore. sure um yeah i we could just like run in a circle and then run over to like the dock area and it would be far enough behind me that they would just like walk into a meat grinder of oh. me swinging the axe that's what i did <laughs> that's fair uh i think the dock area is just a no-go zone for them mm. so i think if you go to the dock area you just like can't be attacked mm. um because that's essentially what I did. I went to the dock area, I jumped up on a ledge, and I swung the axe at him for a little bit, and I got bored. Um, when yeah. you do it that way, this section takes about 15 real-world minutes. <laughs> it is long. It's insanely long. It's, it's, it is beyond bad idea long. It is like... <laughs> so, like... It's one of those things that's baffling to me, and it is a big contributing factor as to why I stopped playing. Yeah. Um, because you get through this zone, I think it's this zone, so correct me, you played this like today, I think. Yeah. Uh, you get, after you finish this fight, mm-hmm. you go into the archives area. Mm-hmm. You like, you, you walk through an exit, and then you fall down, and yeah. you're separated from your buddies. And then you have... Yeah, and you're in that little library area. Exactly. Yeah, so you get to the library area, and you run into, like, a room, and you check it, and you find some stuff. And then you go over here, and you see there's this big machine that's missing pipes, and you got to make the pipes. In order to make the pipes, you have to go do a maze. Mm. And in the maze, there is a place where you can get the ink. The ink chunks, yeah. To build the the pipes. And I... Walked in there. I had been playing the game for about three hours at that mm. point. And I walked in there and I was like, I looked up a guide. Like, immediately. I was just like, fuck it. I'm not doing your maze. I'm <laughs> Like, I was so fatigued with the game at this point. Okay. And so I looked it up and it was like, uh, yeah, you get this and then you do that and then you do the boss and then the game's over. And I was like, okay, well, fuck this then. <laughs> and so... 
I like I was just so tired of it that I just quit the game and said like I've had enough of this. Okay. Like I've seen everything the game has. There's nothing new in the ensuing 20 minutes of gameplay before the end. Yeah. So I just gave up. Okay. Uh, so that's where I quit. That okay. was the end of the game for me. I did yeah, I did not anticipate that being the spot. Mhm. It should have been the fight. Yeah. I shouldn't have even I, tried that's what the fight. I, that's what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I should have just said, why is this here? <laughs> but it was it was almost like so outlandish that there was like a giant ink melee yeah. that I was like, I guess this yeah, it's is like They wanted weird. it to be like a beginning of Resident Evil 4, like endless fight. In thing. the village, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. You just make it to the back of that maze, and then once you like know where the ink is, you can just run yeah. and like not care. Uh, so it's really not that bad. No, that's I made it to it once. Yeah, and <laughs> no, I, I mean like just... <laughs> no, it's fair. It's fair. I was just so uninterested in. What I mean, the you game you had essentially beat the game. The game is like eight more minutes long. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, I just wasn't there for it. I yeah. was not. <laughs> I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, yeah, I actually thought that the final boss was like okay. All right. Because um, you just kind of have to like run away from it. You don't actually have to fight it. Um, there's like one part where it's kind of like wildly like charging through hallways, mm-hmm. which I feel like is like a boss from another game, but like I can't put my finger on it. You just have to like t- turn a bunch of knobs or flip a bunch of levers or whatever to like open a door to get out and then you get him to another room and you have to just make him like run into a bunch of pipes and break them and then you get to the next room where you have this film reel mm-hmm. that shows bendy like the end of his story like it's the thing that joe left um that i guess he knew would kill bendy or thought would kill bendy i don't know uh-huh. it's like the the deus ex uh, machina or whatever you just put it in the projector and then it kills him right so that's how it ends and then it does like a cyclical thing where you are like in your apartment or in joe's apartment and you're talking to him and he tells you like oh i need i want you to go back to the old studio there's something for you there and then he cuts to you like at the beginning of the game walking into the thing yeah yeah, so that's that's that that's that that's mm-hmm. the whole game, really. Um, I don't. I honestly don't even know where to go from from here. If there's anything even left to say, actually, no, yeah. I mean we we covered everything. Yeah, I think I we did. I think I do want to talk about the music for one second, uh, and it's not to talk about the music itself. It's not good. It's not bad. It's fine. It's mm-hmm. tense horror music that is whatever yeah it's not like a big part of the game i feel like right but it is a big missed potential yeah given the fact that this game has uh the theming that it has yeah you can have like creepy old-timey sounding music exactly that they used in cartoons at the time there's even like a whole the composer is like a main character yeah like you should really have more to that but i can understand this is it's like such a totally different skill set than a lot of the other things that go into making a game that maybe they just didn't have a guy yeah you know like that's totally reasonable so uh would have been cool though yeah 
small studio problems. <laughs> um. All right. Do we have Fox and the Hound thoughts? Frame rate thoughts. Do we have? <laughs> I don't know about your frame rate thoughts because the game played at like three frames. Yeah, I was saying like uh, animation is at twenty four though. That is true. So you were playing it in the authentic. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's native yeah. uh, <laughs> frame rate. It's <laughs> a native frame rate. Uh, let's go with it. Do we have frame rate thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to be animating my final thoughts on twos. Um, it's a little animation joke for nobody. Um, so, uh, this game, it was disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, I am me, though, and while I was playing it, like... I didn't really feel super negative on it, but then I sat down to like make my notes, and they're like all bad things. <laughs> um, but because like I feel like is this one of those classic kind of games where like I want to like it more than I do, mm. uh, which is not that much actually. When I'm honest and true with myself, um, yeah, very cool concept as we talked about. Um, I think the aesthetic works well, like. It has that kind of like older PC game, like very boxy feel. Uh, you you know, if you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, <laughs> um, and I actually think like the uh, that kind of fits with the cartoony look and like the like the kind of drawn textures. Like, there's an interesting aesthetic there. I like the idea of the whole studio having this like Eldritch Ink machine that it runs on. And how it kind of like is just bigger and bigger than you would ever think. Um, <laughs> when you went in, you just thought it was an animation studio, and it's got like a fucking theme park in it or whatever. Um, so I think all oh, that's like really interesting and fun. But uh, yeah, I think it had a couple of ideas for like some spooky moments. Like I actually liked Boris as like a companion character, which sure. is kind of fun because he's just goofy basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it, it felt like it had, like, some ideas that were, like, good ideas, but everything else in between, like, all the things that make up a game, they kind of, like, just didn't know what to do, <laughs> you know, to, like, flesh it out, um, and you end up with a lot of filler, and it, yeah, I think it brings it down, uh, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I guess I, I sympathize, because, like, it's very ambitious, um, I, I do respect that. I think it's a cool idea and they went for it, but it just, I think was too over ambitious for their experience level slash budget. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> um, this game kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, it's a survival horror game sort of that has, uh, fodder enemies and an infinite use weapon uh which makes them kind of just a time waster it is a game that has collectibles that don't do anything for you and worse maybe than anything i've ever seen in my life collectibles that are collectibles for no purpose that it doesn't indicate how many you have or that you've picked up that is for an achievement and collectibles that are the same item but you actually use them uh it it feels confused the game feels like it was pulled in a million different directions and didn't. none of the people pulling on it made it to their side to actually get the game where it needed to go. Uh, so you end up with this just stretched out mess 
uh, that doesn't do anything particularly well. As you mentioned, and as we talked about, the concept, the art design is cool. Uh, but I think it suffers in nearly every other aspect of of making a game a game. Uh, I think if they wanted to tell an interesting story, there probably was a better medium for it. Uh, and if they felt like they needed the gameplay to make it work, then they should have cut out a lot of the stuff that feels extraneous. Uh, so I'm just I'm just pretty flatly negative on this one. Um, I guess better luck next time on No Clip Pockets. <laughs> as flat as Bendy is on the page. <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Worlds of Horror. Uh, a uh, man, <laughs> an RPG visual novel roguelike? Question mark. I'm not far enough into it to really know. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's- is... Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's just one of those games that has all of the buzzwords, all of the no clip buzzwords. Uh-huh. Where I just, I think you or I or both of us came across it on Steam, and we're like, "Well, we have to play this." Yep, I think <laughs> <laughs> it has a, a really obvious inspiration in its art style from Junji Ito, who I have over the last like few years become like deeply obsessed with. Mm-hmm. And I think I we both found it independently and both put were it like, on our wish list. Yeah, yeah, we have to do this. So well, we're doing it now. I don't know enough about it. It's gonna be another mystery for us. Yep. Uh so hopefully it turns out. But uh check check it out next time. Uh, until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. Justice for the Splattershot Pro. Give it a better sub-weapon. Uh, <laughs> there you can find links to our Twitter account, our Discord, our YouTube, where you can find all of our old episodes, including ones uh, on Amnesia, The Dark Descent, or Outlast, or uh, was a cool indie one that we did. A cool indie horror? None. Oh, yeah. Nope. No, no, uh, didn't do uh, we did... Uh, <laughs> um, oh, the games of David Night, Shemansky. Yeah. Night Trap. Night Trap? Uh, well, what's it called? Year Walk. Yeah. I don't know. Those two came to my mind, even though they're not like this game. No. Year Walk counts, though. If you're looking for good indie horror, yeah. Year Walk, I think, fucking nails it. Uh, is good shit. The Cat Lady. Hell yes. Love that an one. adventure horror game. <laughs> Go for it. Yep. Check out our horror playlist. Interesting and... art style. Um, <sighs> is it Detention? The Red Candle game? Yes. Yeah. That is Detention. That's a great one. That's a great one. Check it out. Catch it. <laughs> Animate that like button. Get animated. Hit the ring that bell with a axe. <laughs> ring the bell, then the Get... piano, then the cello, then mm. the bell again to open the secret door. Yeah. Hit the enemy three times with a pipe to get a <laughs> chunk of ink to put into the replicator to create a series of pipes to lead you to the comment section. Uh, uh...
Thank you for listening to da 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 da